Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you so much, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All morning long we've been hearing about relationship and loving God. And I just want to talk a little bit more about that. And many of us who don't have a, relation, a revelation on that relationship are going to have one. And many of us who don't feel like we have a relationship are going to feel like we have a relationship. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Elder Robert asked a question in Sunday school this morning. He said, if you didn't get blessed for tithing and you didn't get cursed for not tithing, would you still tithe? And that's a valid question. And it's the same question that Job was presented with in the Bible, not about tithe, but about service to God. Satan came to test Job, not to see how he'd react necessarily when just bad things happened to him. He came to test and, and, ask, and, and see the answer to one question, and that is, and he says it, Job, of course Job serves you because all you do is bless him. Of course Job serves you because you protect him from me all the time. Of course he serves you. God said, no, I know Job. We have a relationship. So you can test him and see. And so all the tests that came against Job were testing that one thing is, if the blessings leave Job, does he still serve God? If the protection leaves Job and he's afflicted with boils and he's sick and he's bad off and everything bad happens to him and it looks like God has forgotten all about him, does he still serve God? Because is love of, for God enough to serve him for? And the devil said it's not. The devil said, I know humans. I made them the way they are. And I know that Job is going to curse you if I take away all the stuff that you get. But... Job was faithful, and he was faithful because he loved God, and he had a relationship with God, not because of law, not because of blessing, not because of cursing, not because of anything, but because he loved him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I know that's the revelation we've been getting for a while over the bride of Christ and over a relationship with God in general, that what do I serve God for? Do I serve God because of what I can get from Him, or do I serve God because I love Him? If I serve God because I love Him, then nothing can take that away from me. 
Jesus. I want to share some scriptures with you so we can begin to understand this relationship that God's called us to. We were in prayer this week sometime, and and it just hit me, you know, when we take what we call the easy way out, um, where we get somebody else to do it for us, right? Um, my finances are in shambles. I'm going to call the church and get the church to pay my bills. That's not always bad. Sometimes you need help, and that's what church is here for. But if it happens five or six times in a row, then we got to pray and see why. Amen? Um, I'm sick. Don't want to hear from, don't want to do the word to hear from God for myself. I'm going to call and get the church to pray for me. My kids aren't saved. I want somebody, I want to call Elder Barbara, I want to call Sister Julie and get them to help me get a breakthrough over my kids. I want somebody else to do it for me. And I've always said it's because it's just what comes out of my mouth, probably because that's what I've always thought. That's taking the easy way out. That's getting somebody else to do it for me. And I said that this week in prayer one day, and all of a sudden, it just I said it, and, I, and it was just like one of those light bulb moments. I said, that is not the easy way out. That's hard. I got to manipulate somebody to get them to, to come over and pay me some attention. I got to pull on them and make me get me a breakthrough. I got to put all my trust over my kids, my finances, whatever I need to break through over in somebody else and got to keep pulling on them until they do it for me. Now, sometimes we need help. Y'all know that's not what I'm talking about. We need somebody to come in agreement. I'm talking about getting somebody to do it for me. That's not easy. That's hard because then after I've done all that, I got to go manipulate and get some approval, make sure everything, and to get them to tell me I did good, that everything was wonderful, that everything's going to be all right, want to prophesy over me. I gotta, I've got to pull and try to get all that. That's why, that's why you see people who run from church to church because they pulled all they can pull out of one person, and then they go run to somebody else and pull all they can pull out of that person. That's hard. i got to find a. There's not that many good churches. I mean, they're all wonderful, you know, that preach Jesus. They're all wonderful. But I'm talking about church that can, like, pray and get you some help. Help. There's not that many of those. And I'm going to run to each one of them. Oh, and that's hard, y'all. That's, that's difficult. But God made it easy way. But we think it's the hard way. And that is to have a relationship with God, to pray, and to obey what He tells me to do, to hear from Him and do what He says. So this week, I went down to visit my dad, and, and we needed a breakthrough in our relationship. Well, we just needed a breakthrough in our relationship. He's, I, I'm not going to all that, but that's what we needed. And... Um, and I had a word. We had been in prayer. One of the prayer days, the anointing came in to pray for him and the whole situation. We had been in prayer. I had a word from God to give him. I was going down to give it to him. And he wanted me to pick up something at his house for him. And I was going through the house. 
And um, it looks like I look through it. It's I look through three different doors. It was like I was in a room. There's a room across the way, and in that room there was a closet door that was open, and there was a light on in that closet, and it was shining on one thing, and it was an old Chinese checkers box from 1981, old, falling apart, and um, and I heard the Holy Ghost say, "Pick that up and take it with you." And do you know that God brought a breakthrough, a breakthrough into my relationship with my father, got my father a breakthrough. You know, he's been sick, hadn't been to church because of a Chinese checkers box. He was the happiest I've ever seen him when I broke out. He said, we're going to play Chinese checkers. Thank you, Jesus. But that, do, so my point is, I could have gone and tried to manipulate. I could have gone down there and tried to control and tell him how he ought to be. I could have done a whole bunch of different things. But because I listened, I have a relationship with God, I heard God. And do you know that, and so I, it's not like it's the most spiritual thing in the world. I griped about that Chinese checkers box to God. I said, I don't want to take I said, God, you want me to play a game with him? He's got some cards down there. I'll play some cards. That, China, that box is falling apart. The marble's going to roll all around the car. They're going to fall out. I don't want to take that box. That's dumb. All the while going and picking it up and holding it in my hand and saying, God, this is dumb. I don't even know why I'm t-. I called Michelle. I said, this is dumb. Let me just tell you what I picked up. It's not like I'm just whoosh. <laughs> but I heard the Holy Ghost. And... And God brought a break, a real, I'm talking about the presence of God came in that room. He was crying. The presence of God came in there because, because I just heard God in a little thing because I have a relationship with God. Now, that was easy. Amen? That was easy. Thank you, Jesus. That's a lot easier than what we go through to try to get God to do something for us sometimes with getting somebody else and pulling on them all the time. That was easy. Now, if I hadn't listened to God with that, it would have been harder, but still probably easier to get somebody else to do it for me because that's, that's, that's too much trouble. And then I still don't get it because, you know, if I get somebody else to do it for me, you know who gets the reward for that? Whoever did it, what do I have? I don't have a relationship with God if I can't go to God myself. It's supposed to be easy. And and God gave me this to say. We have a self-centered life or a God-centered life. And that's that's really where this comes from. And this is what we say when we have a self-centered life. And I'm going to try to expose it today. My self-centered life is I see the need in my life. I see God moving in my life. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to have faith for all the things that I need for God to do in my life. I'm going to seek after God for those things. That's my focus. Now, that sounded spiritual, but that was all about me. A God-centered life is not I just see God moving in my life. I see God move. Where is God moving? I see God move, and I'm going to run after God, where, wherever God is moving. I pray and I have faith to do what God tells me to do. 
And because I'm putting God first, God takes care of all those other things that I don't have to worry about anymore. That I wanted to focus on. I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. In Exodus chapter 19, we see Israel in this same situation. I'm going to read a few verses. Chapter 19, verse 16, it says, On the morning of the third day, and this is New Living Translation for this part of it because it, it got wordy. I can't, y'all, I can't deal with wordy sometimes. I'm sorry. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed, and the dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them from the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a black kiln, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain, and he climbed the mountain. Here's what the Lord said to Moses. Go back down the mountain and warn the people not to break through the boundaries to see the Lord, or they will die. Even the priests who regularly come near to the Lord must purify themselves so the Lord doesn't break out and destroy them. Now, just a few verses before this, God had already instructed Moses. He said, tell those people to take three days to get ready to be holy. Set up the boundaries. Don't let them break through. And Moses said probably what I would have said, me and the Chinese checkers. He said, but Lord, he protested, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. You already warned us. You already told me. Mark off the boundary all around the mountain to set it apart as holy. And the Lord said, go down and bring Aaron back up with you. And in the meantime, do not let anybody break through. God was telling them, he said, you have to go back down and warn them. I believe that God thought that his people were so excited to meet with him. He expected his people to be so excited. The God that brought us out of 400 years of bondage is about to come speak to me. Hallelujah. I've taken three days to get myself ready. I've been fasting and praying, and God is about to come break, come meet us. And I see him. I see the fire coming. I see the cloud rolling. And God said, these people are going to be so overcome, they're going to run to me. Go back and tell them just one more time, Moses, so that they don't get too swept up in my glory and run and get themselves killed because I love them so much. I want to speak to them. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, just go tell them one more time, Moses. Remind them. And Moses did. Went down and told the Lord, and then God spoke, and he gave them all the Ten Commandments. And then one of the most disappointing verses in the whole Bible comes next. And it is, and all the people saw the thundering and the lightning and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed, this is verse 18, if you want to follow along up there, 2018. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightning and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said to Moses, you speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, or we'll die. Oh, my heart broke. 
My heart broke when I read it because God sent him down to warn him one more time because who doesn't want to meet with God? Who wouldn't run to the presence of God? They had taken so much care to purify themselves, to be ready to hear from Him. And their reaction was not running to God for a relationship. Their reaction was, I'm running away. Jesus. I'm running away. Moses, as a matter of fact, all we really want is for you to speak to God, and you do it for us. You come back and tell us what God says. Why did they do that? Because it's the same thing we do. Can we just be honest and say that's the same thing we do? Same thing. I think it's easier to have somebody else hear from God for me. I think. I'm wrong, but I think it. Why did they do it? Moses tells us. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. He said, God's coming. You've been purifying yourself. You've been getting ready to hear from him. You've been getting ready for a relationship with him. And... They didn't want it. But why didn't they want it? It's because they wanted sin. They wanted to do their own thing, live their own life, go do their own stuff, go their own way, and have Moses intercede to God for them so they get the blessing. They still get to be Israel. They still get to be God's chosen people. They still get to have the direction and the guidance of God. They still still get to get the prosperity of God. But they didn't want a relationship with him themselves. Nothing has changed since then. We, th- we think a lot of things. We allow a lot of thoughts and excuses to go through our mind. I'm not good enough. I can't hear from God like these people. Why wouldn't I go find Elder Barbara and get her t- to pray with me? Because I know Elder Barbara hears from God. I don't hear from God. I don't know how to pray like that. I don't know how to do all those things. Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Hmm. Don't know how to do it. Why wouldn't I get somebody else? But I'm not holy enough. Don't you know? I, you don't know what I did last week. How am I supposed to pray and hear from God? You don't know the things I let into my house that I'm just not willing to give up. How, why would I think I could pray and hear from God? And so they said, we don't want to hear from God anymore because he'll kill us. He's too holy. I can't handle it. He's going to kill me if I have to keep, if I have to talk to him directly. I don't want the cost that that costs me to be able to keep talking to him. But what did it cost Israel? It cost them hundreds of years of backsliding. Over and over and over again, it cost them not even being able to hear from God themselves. God wanted to live amongst them, dwell in the middle of them, speak to each one of them over their place and over their position. But they didn't want it. 
So we got to take the mask off. If we don't have that, it's because I don't want it. That's what we have to, if we're honest, I'm talking about honest, because we can throw up all the things, I'm not holy enough, I'm not this, I'm not that, you don't know what I've been doing, blah, blah, blah. The reason we don't have a relationship where I hear from God so that I want to get somebody else to do it for me is because I don't want it bad enough. In Romans 1.18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, for who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. God shows us himself. He does speak to us. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clear. God made it easy for us to hear him and have a relationship with him. Being understood by the things that are made. The eternal power of the Godhead. And so we are without excuse. Oh, God. We've been talking about all our excuses. But we are without excuse, Paul says. Because, here's what we do. When we knew God, we did not glorify him as God. Neither were thankful, but came in vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. And they changed the glory of an incorruptible God into the image made like to, in, like to corruptible man. This was the same thing that Aaron did in the wilderness with the golden cow. He didn't bring a different God to Israel. He brought he tried to bring God down to our level to be common because that's more comfortable. I can have, I don't really have to, it's a golden cow. I don't really have to have a relationship with a golden cow. Golden cow shows up and gets me out of Egypt when I need him, when I need it. Golden cow shows up and heals some folks when they're sick with the leprosy. Golden cow shows up and brings us some food and famine. Golden cow shows up for me just sometimes. And the rest of the time, I just get to marvel at the golden cow. I don't have a relationship with a holy God. And so it's, Paul's talking about the same thing. He said we want to make God common. And even the term having a relationship with God has been made common. Somebody said recently, it was either Brother Timmy or Brother Tim, somebody, said that's everybody likes to say, they, I, well, I got a relationship with God. I don't go to church. I don't really pray. I don't live any different than the rest of the folks in the world, but me and God have worked something out. I have a relationship with Him. We talk, I talk to God. He tell Him what I need. We have a relationship. We've got it worked out. You, you don't have nothing worked out. We don't have anything worked out with God. When we make Him common. I'm fixing to read something that I believe is going to set us free, and we're going to pray. I think this is the third week I've been talking about Joash. I've re reread this story five, six, seven times, I think. Because every time I reread it, God says something else to me about Joash. 2 Kings verse 12, it says, 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 1, sorry. In the seventh year of Jehu, 
Jehoash began to reign, and 40 years he reigned in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba, and Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all his days, wherein Jehoiada, that's how you say it, the priest, instructed him. But the high places were not taken away, and the people sacrificed burnt incense in the high places. Okay. Joash was a righteous king. King King is a boy. He was raised in the temple of God. He loved the temple of God. He was righteous. He lived holy. And at the end of his reign, God said, you were righteous, Joash, but I have some stuff against you. You didn't tear down those images of Baal. You allowed sacrifices to stay in Israel. That'll be a bondage to my people. And, and because of that, Joash's grandson lost the kingdom. Because of that, while Joash was still king, the enemies came in and started chipping away at Israel's territory. They started, he started losing. While he was the most righteous king of Israel. This is going to show us something about God, y'all. David. Joash's great, 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 great grandfather. Was not holy. He was not righteous. He committed adultery and killed a man to cover it up. Y'all, he was, he was bad. He killed, they made a song about him, how he's killed tens of thousands of people. His hands were so bloody, God wouldn't let him build a temple to him. When he was out, he, he traveled with misfits and outlaws before he became king. He had a reputation, and it was not as a godly man. But what do we know about David today? What was remembered about David? What did God say about David? David is a man after my own heart. David sinned and sinned and sinned and messed up and messed up and messed up. But he had the heart of God. He cried out to God himself. I told y'all last week or week before last, it just hit me. David wanted, he was so bold, he had to hear from God so much himself. He put on the priest's garments. He put on the, um, the ephod. He put on all the stuff. He went into the presence of God himself. Do you know priests who took days to purify themselves were struck dead sometimes because they weren't holy enough? David was not holy enough. Who is this God that we serve? He's not who we think he is. Because Joash did not get qualified by God. Joash lived righteous. He didn't practice sin. That was about all the good that God had to say about Joash. He didn't have a relationship with God. He let the priest handle everything. He let Elisha come around and have, handle everything. He didn't have a relationship with God himself. And so all that living righteous, all that living holy was worthless for him. It didn't do any more than get him an honorable mention in the Bible. That was it. But David wanted a relationship with God. David and all his flaws and all his ugly, 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 ugly. And all his greed 
and all his sexual sin and all his murders. That man wasn't the only one he murdered. He murdered some folks. I'm not even talking about war. I'm talking about David murdered some folks. And God loved David. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My God, let's let it sink in just a minute. God loved David. He wasn't impressed with Joash. But he loved David. We don't have an excuse to not have a relationship with God. The only reason we don't want a relationship with God, let's be honest, take the mask off. The only reason we don't want a relationship with God is because I don't want to give up sin. I don't really want to. I don't want to give up the things I want to do. I don't want to give up being in control of my own life. Because it's easier. If I can lay my life down, and that does cost me everything, if I can lay my life down to God and give up everything, that I can obtain a relationship with Him, I have gained all things. I don't miss a thing I've ever given up to have more of God. I don't miss a thing I've given up to be at prayer more. I don't, I don't see the lack. There's no lack in my life because I've given. There's no lack in my life because I've prayed more, because I've taken time to pray. There's no lack in my life because I put money in the offering. I have abundance of everything that I've ever given up for God. Everything. Hey, my God. Who is the God that we serve that he loves David and did not love Joash? That doesn't compute in our mind. But for those of us who, want a, who really want a relationship and we have believed the lie that I'm not good enough, that makes perfect sense to us. I just want us all to stand. I believe that there are a people that God's raising up in this church and in Crossed Arkansas who are tired of having, of being spiritual, spiritually broke and having to run to somebody else and get some help over my circumstances and situations. I believe there are some of us today who, are, who say, whatever the cost, I want that relationship with God. I don't want to have to run every time my kids need something. I don't want to have to run and get prayer every time the money runs out. I don't want to run and have to get somebody to give me a word every time I don't know what to do. Every decision that comes up, I have to run and get somebody to say, this is God, this isn't God. Where do, when do I get to the point where I get to know what God says for me, for myself? That point is long past. 
We just allow the devil to lie to us and say that I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not qualified enough in God to be able to hear from him. I'm spiritually broken. I need somebody to do it for me. But in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I know there are some of us who are ready to say, I'm done with that. I'm done with letting somebody else do it for me. I'm done when, a, when the devil attacks and problems arise that I feel helpless. I can't do anything. I'm done. 